This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. So I looked up what Preekend is on the ever-informative Urban Dictionary. It reads, a night out before the weekend begins, usually on a Thursday night. So today is Friday. I consider this the weekend, even though you've got Courtney Kern and Randy Scott sitting in for the guys on Canty and Carlin. So technically we're working, but the vibes are here. These are weekend vibes because in 10 minutes, we're going to be getting you ready for championship weekend. We've got the number one seeded Philadelphia Eagles (laughs) playing host to the San Francisco 49ers NFC championship game, 3 p.m. Sunday, followed by Chiefs and Bengals, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. So much to get into. We're going to tell you who has the edge in these matchups. We're going to tell you the X factor, what to look for in these games. Stick with us. We'll get into that shortly. But a little bit of news that came out this morning here in the NFL world. Steve Wilkes has spoken. He is the interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers. He was passed over on Thursday for the Panthers head coaching job. That went to Frank Reich, who was fired earlier this season by the Indianapolis Colts. He rebounds a couple months later and is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. He was the first player. Ever, Randy, I'm sure you've heard the stat a thousand times and probably have read it on SportsCenter. A bunch, the first player ever to throw a touchdown for the Carolina Panthers when they became a franchise in 1995. But as it pertains to Steve Wilkes, he went through the interview process, had a second interview, and was passed over for this Panthers job. This morning, he broke his silence with a tweet. I will paraphrase some of this here. Quote, the sun rose this morning, and by the grace of God, so did I. I'm disappointed, but not defeated. It was an honor for me to coach these men in the Carolina Panthers locker room as the interim head coach, players, coaches, and staff. Thank you for your hard work and dedication. I took pride in representing Charlotte, a great city that I love so much. I do wish Frank Reich all the best. I will always be a fan of the Carolina Panthers football team. He ends that saying hashtag keep pounding, which is a slogan in Carolina. And I got to say, for someone who was passed over for this opportunity, something that we've seen happen far too often with African-American candidates who interview for head coaching opportunities, Randy, and then don't get them, he handled it better than I think I would have. The, the grace and the class to come out with a statement like that after probably not feeling so great because it's like, what more could this yeah. person do? The Panthers start out one and six. They fire Matt Rule. They finish the season, you know, on a uh, they finish the season with a six and six record. Toward once Steve Wilkes had taken over, and they almost win the NFC South. So it leads you to believe like two things can be true here. Frank Reich is a very good football coach, and I think that when they talk about getting the quarterback position right, because you have such a young core in Carolina, to be able to do that with somebody who has gotten a lot out of maybe not the best quarterbacks in the NFL. When you think about what he's done with Carson Wentz. Nick Foles uh, doing all that he can could in Indianapolis after the abrupt retirement of Andrew Luck. There's probably nobody better in terms of a pedigree as a play caller and an offensive mind than Frank Reich. But Steve Wilkes, on the other hand, you can feel really bad that he got snubbed out of this opportunity. His lawyers put out a statement today mm-hmm. saying that they were not happy. Quote, this is, there's a legitimate race problem in the NFL, and we can assure you that we will have more to yeah. say in the coming days. They are certainly going to have a case to build here for a number of different reasons. This obviously goes back to the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL. There's a lot to unpack here, and I just I, I keep reiterating, I think it's okay to feel two things here if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, excited about the hire of Frank Reich, but also feeling like Steve Wilkes didn't really get a fair opportunity the way that many wish he would have. There are two black 
NFL head coaches in the National Football League right now. There are 32 NFL teams. There is a higher percentage of African-American football players in the NFL uh, than there is of any other racial group. Um, These are just facts. And one of the black head coaches is in Miami. Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel. And I kind of want to let that breathe for a second because you might have the same reaction I did where that was news to me, but he identifies as biracial. So that's where we're at in the NFL. And you can just present, you just say those numbers and present those facts and say those names, say Mike Tomlin's name. Like that's, that's it. Mm -hmm. And Mike McDaniel and say his name and that's it. And it's so hard to, like Steve Wilkes didn't have the luxury. He didn't have the leeway. He didn't have the uh, the grace. We didn't, he, he was not given the grace to be angry. You don't get to be black and angry in the National Football League if you want to be a head coach again. You don't you don't get to do that. Because that feeds into pejorative stereotypes and and a warped way and a narrow mindset that people have sometimes. Some people have for the black community in positions of leadership. So, and we're not, I mean, people are naive to think otherwise. And, and so he, he had to react the way he did. And I'm not trying to detract from the grace that he showed that he wasn't given. I'm just saying he, he, he had to do this if he wants to work again. That's the, that's one of the cruelest parts. It's one of the cruelest parts. It's why the Houston Texans, you, we talked about this off the air. If you were, an African-American candidate, if you're a black candidate for that head coaching job with the way they've treated their last two head coaches, you would be forgiven for for having great pause before you went ahead and tried that. But you also would have faith in yourself. And we say that because D'Amico Ryans is, has emerged today as a leading candidate in Houston for that job. And he deserves a job. He deserves a head coaching job. But so does Eric Bieniemy for years now. And quite frankly, so did Steve Wilkes in Carolina. And it stinks, Courtney, because to say that implies that you're tearing down another candidate. What you said about Frank Reich is true. And we can occupy the gray area here and occupy the space that allows you to say Steve Wilkes deserved to keep that job and Frank Reich deserves a job. It just so happens that these two won, you know, there were it was musical chairs. There were, there were two men for one job. But Steve Wilkes deserved that job. The way that team turned around and responded to him to, like you say, have a shot at the playoffs in Week 17 and Week 18 of the regular season with that roster and the way that team did not perform for Matt Rule, Steve Wilkes deserved that job. And now you're in a national. You look around the league. There are 32 head coaching jobs, and there are two that are that belong to to African American men. It's just the numbers are embarrassing. Yeah, they are. And this is nothing new that the NFL has a diversity problem. And last year you have a whistleblower, somebody who was courageous enough in Brian Flores to come out and file a lawsuit against the NFL because of what happened with him in Miami, what he feels was not a fair situation of why he got fired, but also the interview process when he was interviewing for the New York Giants head job. And it just feels like a year later after a huge uproar came about. Literally, it was this week, uh, you know, going, it was coming out of championship weekend in the NFL that Flores files his lawsuit and we're face to face with a real issue in, in the NFL, not being able to hide from it. Yeah. 365 days later, it feels like we're back in that same spot. 
And certainly Steve Wilkes handling this better than most people could, especially most people who had been passed over really unfairly because the goalposts keep moving for coaches who look like a Steve Wilkes. Remember what happened to him in Arizona. This isn't a first time thing where he's been passed over for a job where he's done fairly well. He was fired after one season in Arizona. He got a very raw deal there. He goes to Carolina. He does what what honestly felt impossible with that roster. Remember, they traded Christian McCaffrey at the deadline. They got worse as a roster because they're still a very young team. Those guys in that locker room fought for him. There are going to be some players who, you know, I think are going to take some time to warm up to Frank Reich because that locker room, from sources I've talked to, there are people who are not happy that – Steve Wilkes didn't get the fair opportunity that these players were vouching for. These players fought for them. That doesn't always happen in professional sports when you've got your livelihoods, your family, all these other things on the line. It's not college sports where it's just rah-rah and camaraderie. But that happened in that locker room. Those guys fought for Steve Wilkes. And now he's he's not in the running anymore for this job. We don't know about any other openings if he'll emerge as a candidate. But certainly a a tough deal for him, but one that he handled as well as anyone could have uh, following that news. Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, had this to say about Steve Wilkes being passed over in Carolina. Look at ownership. What is ownership familiar with? Ownership is familiar with themselves. They're familiar with the people that move around in the rooms they move around in. The people in the rooms they move around in as billionaires look like them. They talk like them. They feel, they motivate, they teach like them. And so when they sit in front of people, what do they want? They want people that are like them. And they want that familiar feel that, oh, that rah-rah, that old frat boy that I'm used to in his excitement, I can get with that. The adversities that he's faced and the things that he's gone through in life, I understand more than I understand the things that Steve Wilkes has gone through in life because I don't know what it's like to be him. I don't know what it's like to have to come up in the ranks like him. That's something that is well, it's obviously very well said by the way that Ryan Clark laid that out. And it's something that the Indianapolis Colts find themselves dealing with as well. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott with you on this Friday evening. So the way that that transitions now, when he's talking about ownership and ownership wanting people necessarily don't necessarily have not necessarily struggled through the same things they have. The Colts come into the conversation now because we know that Jeff Saturday, our former colleague here at ESPN, he went one and seven on an interim basis with the Indianapolis Colts ever after never coaching past the high school level. He has been granted a second interview with the Colts in Indianapolis for the head coaching positioning. Now, There are other qualified candidates that have been granted second interviews as well. Two-time Super Bowl champion, Rams defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, um, Dan Quinn. We know Dan Quinn has taken his name out, but he was also in that mix. Um, And then Jero Averro, who was a defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos, a hot head coaching candidate. Eric Biennemi's name has been thrown into the mix as well. So all of that said... There was a petition, and I know that fans do do things that don't always like you know get the ear of the owner. But there was a petition I saw, Randy, kind of one of those change.org positions that was trying to stop the hire of Jeff Saturday from potentially happening in this head coaching cycle. We know that the Indianapolis job is open right now, and that there are a number of candidates, the ones I just mentioned, who are going to be interviewing for that second with that second uh, opportunity. 
I feel like if the Colts end up hiring Jeff Saturday, and it's nothing against him as a person. You know him. I know him as colleagues here at ESPN. Being a great person is one thing. Being qualified for a head coaching job is another thing. And being in, you know, in the inner circle of an owner is something that honestly should not really factor into whether you're qualified for a job or not. Because what we saw is somebody who was way in over his head in Indianapolis, the final eight games of the regular season. And to me, this feels like it's repetitive, like constant repetition reinventing the wheel a hundred times in the NFL where you've got somebody who the owner really likes, who is completely in over his head, underqualified for this job, and you're passing up more qualified p- people who have, who have done these, who have been in these positions, served in these positions for a very long time in favor for what's comfortable for you. That's what it feels like the Indianapolis Colts are dealing with right now. And honestly, you know, when we talk about Steve Wilkes and, and what his lawyers are, you know, his lawyer was tweeting last night about what happened in Carolina, you know, the NFL is going to have a really big problem on their hands if we don't continue, if we continue to see the same thing happening this cycle. There are four openings remaining. If one of those does not go to a qualified African-American candidate, if we keep seeing the lack of diversity in these hires and keep seeing owners hiring people that they are comfortable with, that they know have the same background with them, that are you know on their advisory committee, whatever Jeff Saturday was before he joined the Colts, the NFL is going to have a far bigger problem with diversity and what it could lead to in terms of litigation than they do right now. Litigation doesn't seem to go, it doesn't seem to go anywhere. With the NFL, and I, I, I agree, though, with the purpose of it. I agree with sometimes lawsuits are not are not meant to win. Sometimes their their greatest impact can be felt in just raising awareness and holding people accountable and making people in charge have to answer difficult questions or uncomfortable questions. Um, I mean, we've seen subpoenas follow uh, Daniel Snyder, you know, around the globe on his on his yacht in the Adriatic Sea or wherever it was. I mean, there are rich and powerful men um, largely men and, and and some women, I suppose, but but men who are made to to answer for certain behaviors and certain patterns. Um, and maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's the goal of a lawsuit here. But I I just I just look around the league and I can't help but feel so disheartened for talented candidates who know and I don't know what you would call the ceiling, but they that know that there's a ceiling that exists for them, and the the numbers game. Sometimes you play it in this in this business, and I'm not, I'm not trying to trivialize anything or, or false equivocate. But if you, if you look at the broadcasting business and you look as you're coming up, and you're like, okay, you know this, you know in Boston, uh, Boston has has five TV stations, and uh, 20 years ago they had two sports jobs at each station, maybe three. So you do the numbers game, and you say, all right, I want to work in Boston, I want to work in sports, I want to be on TV, I got 15 chances, and now you got five because re- or maybe maybe a couple have. Have a part, a second part-time sports role, but but the numbers game changes. And you look around and, and you think, man, this is such a coveted job, and I feel like I'm qualified and I want that job. Well, it's 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 a more subjective business now in NFL head coaching circles because if you, if you look at a man in, in Frank Reich who did such now this is just objective now, but he did such a poor job with the Colts that he was told that there were other better options out there, and one of them was Jeff Saturday. And that team's decision has now led to another man who replaced someone who was told, you're not good enough, stop coming to work. Steve Wilkes was was there to replace Matt Rule. The team improved under him, and someone who's not good enough to keep his job 
the previous season is deemed a better candidate for this man who's already won with this roster in this city and means that much to that franchise. Like, how are you not just thoroughly crushed? How are you not disheartened looking around the league at someone who looks like you and you think, man, he can't even get a fair shake in his hometown team? What chance do I have to move around this league and advance my career? And that just has to be so disheartening to, to feel that ceiling lowering on you because that's what it is. The, the, the ceiling is lowering for qualified black head coaching candidates in the National Football League. I just don't know what more he could have done. I mean, that's the problem with yeah. Steve Wilkes in this situation. When you're told, hey, prove it. Yeah. Be nearly perfect. And nearly perfect was this team almost getting into the <laughs> NFC, getting the NFC South title and into the yeah. playoffs as a wild card team. He was right there. But yeah. at the same time, you know, he was – he. When we talk about these sham interviews, like because that's really at the head of like what a lot of people are looking at in terms of the lack of diversity here, that we bring up the Rooney rule and how the Colts skirted it the first time around because when you're in season on an interim basis, you don't – like hiring a coach on an interim basis, you don't have to abide by the Rooney rule. Most times it's usually somebody that's promoted from within, but the Colts – Kind of a slap in the face to a lot of different people who are more than qualified on their candidate list for that job. Hired from the outside, somebody who would never even coach at the college level, let alone coaching in the NFL and Jeff Saturday. And now the fact that he is uh, on their short list of second interview candidates for this head coaching opportunity, if he gets this job... I wonder what that's going to do to the rest, like the shockwaves that's going to send around the rest of the league. Because honestly, it's a giant middle finger telling you, we don't care what you think. We don't care about diversity. We don't care about any of the things that so many people are at, you know, at a disadvantage of, mm-hmm. a disadvantage from in the NFL. We're going to continue to act as with business as usual. The mindset that the NFL owners have put forth, you know, for years and years and years as they've made these hires. And they're going to continue on. Until somebody literally comes in and tells them to stop. Because as we know, the Rooney rule, honestly, is a joke at this point. It's something that's done in name only, which, again, is why these lawsuits are coming up. It all started last year with Brian Flores alleging a sham interview with not only the New York Giants, but the Denver Broncos as well. Right. You know, a team that's, again, on to a search for another head coach and qualified candidates, you know, many of whom, you know, Brian Flores included, somebody whose name is coming up again this cycle. Not taking a look at him because they're in the middle of current uh, legal action uh, being taken against them by by the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins. It all ties together. There's so many instances of this, and it's just tough to to think that there was another qualified head coach where the goalpost ended up getting moved and he didn't get the opportunity that he deserved. But again, we bring it full circle because I do think that you can look at this through two different lenses. You can be conflicted about this the way that both Courtney Cronin and Randy Scott are here on ESPN Radio, where you can be happy that someone like Frank Reich, you know, is going to take over this franchise and maybe by the grace of God, they'll get the quarterback position right because they haven't been able to since 2018. And Dave Tepper and his patience is probably running pretty thin. You can be happy about that. But you can also be really upset over the hire, over the non-hiring of Steve Wilkes after he did all that he could and then some to prove that he was more than qualified to be able to get that interim tag removed and become the permanent head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. 
Reminder to tune in tomorrow to an NBA doubleheader as the Nets host host the Knicks, followed by Lakers at Celtics, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 5 p.m. Eastern time on select ESPN radio stations. My co-host on Freddie and Fitzsimmons, Freddie Coleman, always says, give or take a lie or two, which I told you (laughs) we were going to get to. All of the NFC and AFC Championship weekend coverage in this segment. We're going to get into that on the other side of the break. Pulse of the 49ers fan base going into Championship Sunday. How do they feel about Brock Purdy as a long-term answer at quarterback? We're going to head out to the to the Bay and discuss next here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. This will be another defensive game. Hurts keeps fighting for the end zone. What a run. Touchdown Philadelphia. Philly, they are damn near impossible to defend. They have people everywhere. Like who you going to guard? The Niners are clearly the best defense left in this thing. And when you have units that are this good, it comes down to matchups. When you talk about who is just doing the best job of coaching his football team right this minute, who's doing it better than Kyle Shanahan? The youngest matchup in the playoffs between quarterbacks is Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts, a combined 47 years and 208 days between the starting quarterbacks for the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's the young guns leading the way in the NFC and also in the AFC with Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott. Pleased to welcome in Brian Murphy. Murphy on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, co-host of the Murph and Mac show on 680 KNBR out in San Francisco. And Brian, I wanted to start there with Brock Purdy. As we go back to that Miami game where he takes over for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo and leads the 49ers to a win. From that point on, he hasn't lost. So I'm wondering, from seeing this team up close all season long, was there a moment for you where you realized, hey, Brock Purdy's not just you know a product of Kyle Shanahan here. He can actually take this team to an NFC championship and potentially beyond. Uh, yeah, it's been absolutely stunning, guys, to see what's going on. It's still unbelievable that he's taken this team into Philadelphia on Sunday uh, in the NFC championship. But believe it. Um, and was there a moment? I would have to say probably going up to Seattle 
when he had the broken, well, not the broken ribs, he had strained ribs and he had an oblique injury that we found out later was pretty darn limiting. And I know the Seahawks aren't the Seahawks of the Richard Sherman Legion of Boom era, but it's always been a house of horrors for the Niners. And he went up there and clinched the NFC West on the road, playing injured. And we started to believe, like, wow. And, of course, obviously the famous win over Tom Brady. Obviously it was a diminished Brady and a Bucks team. But still, that was the one that started to set the national narrative. And if you just watch him play, you have to believe. Because he's making not just the deliver-the-mail throws that Kyle Shanahan dials up for the likes of what made Jimmy Garoppolo successful, but he's showing these little off-schedule nuances and little nimble footwork in the pocket that you have to have to succeed in the NFL. Now, Philadelphia is obviously going to be a monster challenge, NFC Championship on the road. But, yes, the answer is most everybody or most 49ers fans in the Bay Area say they, they can win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy at quarterback, which two months ago would be an insane statement. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ground game, as you say, though, Brian, has been, has been so important. What are you hearing about the status of Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, both of whom popped up on the injury report this week? Yeah, they are. And obviously you're sitting out of practice this week, but man, it seems to be zero doubt that both teams, both guys will play. Uh, McCaffrey, you know, when they acquired him, the big stunning trade, the big John Lynch gamble to go get him and trade those draft picks, which has turned out, to be obviously a smashing success and one of the great trades in recent NFL, one of the great midseason trades in recent NFL history. The, the one worry on him was durability because he had been having a little bit of injury problem the last couple of years and Carolina hadn't played all 17, or I was going to say 16, but all 17 games. But the mark of his tenure here in San Francisco has been durability. So there seems to be little doubt. And in his press conference on uh, Thursday, I believe, he said there's zero chance that he's missing the game. He didn't really even show ill effects. I know the cameras caught the uh, sort of a heating pad on his calf. Obviously, it's not ideal. We'd like to see no calf injury on the report if you're a 49er fan. Mm-hmm. But he's playing 100. He's playing on Sunday. Same with Mitchell. Now Mitchell has been, and what a find he's been. You know, he was the sixth rounder out of Louisiana, and he's turned out to be that perfect bruising running back of the Bobby Turner, Kyle Shanahan run game that complements McCaffrey so well. Uh, he has been marked by injuries in his two-year stay as a Niner. But even though he's on the injury report with the groin, he too is going. So, obviously, 49ers fans are knocking wood that those guys make it through the game and perform to the level they can. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're talking with Brian Murphy, co-host of the Murph and Mac show on KNBR in San Francisco, joining Courtney Cronin and Randy Scott here on Canty and Carlin. I know that this Niners defense is undoubtedly a step up in class for the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Like they've, you know, scored a lot of points, 30 plus points last week against the Giants, uh, 30 plus points three times since the end of the season. But this is a Niners defense that's stingy in a lot of different respects, holding Arizona in that final game to 13 points. And then you think about what they did against Seattle and the Dallas Cowboys last Last week, how tough of a test? Like, do you think that going up against this Eagles offensive line, going up against this run game, this mobile quarterback, how much of an advantage do you give to this 49ers pass rush and really the defense as a whole? It's a great question, and it'll be the controlling question Sunday because you know obviously what the Eagles have done with Jalen Hurts has ascended right before our eyes into obviously factually speaking an MVP candidate, maybe the MVP. You know, you can argue about Mahomes and, and Burrow and et cetera, but he's right there on the short list. So this is an extremely daunting challenge. And if you want to be sort of realistic about this and not just be a Niner homer, you know, who wants <laughs> the Niners to win, 
the two games that's, that give you pause are the Kansas City Chiefs game at Levi's Stadium uh, back in October when the Chiefs really kind of ran roughshod. I put up, I believe, 43. I don't have the score right in front of me. And the other game that really caused a little concern in the Bay Area was the Raider game on New Year's Day where Jarrett Stidham, of all people, yep. really took it to him and ran a lot. He took advantage of the aggressive pass rush of Nick Bosa and Samson Ebukam and Eric Armstead and that whole pin-their-ears-back four-man rush that the Niners feature that leaves those rushing lanes. And Jarrett Stidham, guys, really gashed him. And that caused alarm. Now, you know, was it was it written off as sort of a blip game? Yes. Was it, blip, was it written off as a, hey, it's the NFL you're not going to be perfect every week. Yes, because they did bounce back and they did, you know, hold Seattle and they held Dallas obviously to 12 last week. So there is that general body of work, that gigantic body of work that at all three levels, the pass rush, the linebackers, especially the linebackers, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are be- are viewed as really kind of the heartbeat of this defense and of the secondary to a certain extent. Now, we, you know, we could talk about the corners, but the bottom line is that the defense in general is viewed as the strength of this team. And while they are extremely wary of Jalen Hurts and the weapons of the Eagles, it's what the Niners are bringing. It's their calling card. If they're going to win, D'Amico Ryans and these guys are going to have to get that tipped ball that Fred Warner got against Dak, that sack that Nick Bosa or Samson Ebukon comes up with. So it's a huge challenge, a huge task. And Kansas City and the Raiders provide a little bit of pause, but the Niners are rolling, are rolling into Philly and saying, hey, defense, we, you got us this far. Do you have one more in you? The number two team in the NFC playoffs faces number one on Sunday in the NFC championship game. San Francisco 49ers riding an eight-game winning streak into the final game of the championship round. He is Brian Murphy of KNBR in San Francisco joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Murph, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game, guys. That was fun. All right, coming up next, we're going to give you our picks for championship weekend. Chiefs, Bengals, 49ers, Eagles, who you got, plus three and out to end the show. That's coming up next, Candy and Carl on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott kicking it in for the guys on this Friday afternoon, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Time to go three and out to end the show. Tua Tagovailoa remains in concussion protocol. He's been in there for one month, sources telling ESPN NFL Nation reporter Marcel Louis-Jacques. Tua was a Pro Bowl quarterback. He will not be playing in the games. Obviously, Randy, the format of the Pro Bowl has changed this year. It's more of a skills competition. But notably, 
Tua being a first alternate pro bowler. Uh, He's going to replace either Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. None of that matters. The fact is, one month following what we believe to be his third head injury or injury where he was uh, uh, showing signs of head injury because that first one was against Cincinnati was deemed a back injury against rather the Buffalo Bills. He remains in concussion protocol, and I feel like this is something as the Miami Dolphins try to figure out what they're doing at quarterback next year, but also the long-term health and longevity of Tua. This is a big concern. Yeah, it's it, it's scary just on a on a human level. It really is because you you know what he's you you know what he's capable of doing when he's right. You know what he's capable of doing in that offense, and you saw the flashes. So when there's now a risk and a threat to that potential being realized, that's you don't have to be a Dolphins fan or an Alabama fan to feel that and, and, and to feel that that pang of of, you know, almost like a protective instinct for somebody that, you, that you've never met. And it's it is scary because head injuries and I, I got in trouble once for for, you know, comparing it this way, but I'm going to try to do it again. <laughs> I'm going to touch the hot stove again. You know, head injuries can be like snowflakes, right? No snowflake is supposedly the same. Sure. No head injury is the same. They affect people in different ways. And so you can look at a seemingly innocuous, you know, fall on the back of your head issue uh, where you hit the back of your helmet. And look, he's been out for close to a, close to a month at this point. So yeah. it's, it's scary for someone so young who also now has to think about his day-to-day life and not just his football life. I guess the only good thing coming out of this and the reporting of Marcel Louis-Jacques is that there haven't been any setbacks as far as his long-term health, and the Dolphins are going to have to prioritize that first and foremost, knowing that Tua is still very young in his NFL career and how much longer he's going to continue to play and want to play, considering the head trauma that he sustained this year and how you recover from that. Again, to your point, there's no timetable that's like a strict, hard, and fast timetable for concussions. Sometimes they take a couple weeks to recover from after you can get out of the NFL's five-step concussion protocol. Certainly, he's not there yet, considering it's been a month and he remains in concussion protocol under supervision of doctors from the Miami Dolphins and the NFLPA. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Three and outs brought to you by GEICO. Switch to GEICO today and see all the ways that you could save. 49ers and Eagles. We just talked with Brian Murphy of the Murph and Mac Show, 680 KNBR in San Francisco, about having a little bit more faith in this 49ers defense that they can get this game done, that maybe you don't have to put all of your eggs in the Brock Purdy basket. When you're picking this game, do you look at what what the San Francisco 49ers have done repeatedly to their opponents on the defensive side? Or do you look at Brock Purdy in this offense, and how does that factor into how you're going to pick this game? I focus on the defense. This is this is the best defense that the Eagles will have played in in I, three months. Yeah. Honestly, um, it's not the best quarterback they've played, but they've gotten fat off of playing subpar quarterbacks. We we went through the schedule. Maybe it's um, you know maybe it's it's Kirk Cousins, maybe it's Aaron Rodgers, but either way, like that's that's the best quarterback they've faced this season. So. Purdy doesn't have to be an all-star to beat them or an all-pro to beat them. Um, I, I think that defense is going to throw some things at Jalen Hurts that he hasn't seen. And I'm convinced, regardless of what John Kincaid said, that Jalen Hurts is still not 100% with that shoulder in terms of the designed run game. It's a, lo- a lot of runs to the boundaries, not a lot of power runs. And you have to be able to give the Niner defense something to respect up the middle. 
Okay, so who you got in this game? Niners. I'll take the Niners' money line. I you think know? They, I think they go in there and win. I'm doing the same. I've got Philadelphia yeah. losing by a touchdown at home, something that they haven't done all that often. Jalen Hurts, 15-1 and as a starter this season, including the playoffs. I think that their season ends in the NFC Championship game, and the Niners yeah. march on to the Super Bowl. Okay, so on the other side of that Super Bowl matchup, it'll be either the Bengals or the Chiefs. Before we get out of here, who you got? Bengals. Bengals money line. I I, I hate it for Stosh. Um, Cincinnati's becoming less likable with, with every day, and it's not because of their players; it's because of their mayor. Um, uh, so, but I I think because Mahomes is not a hundred percent, I think he okay. has to be mobile. I think he has to not not for for rushing yards, but just for to extend plays. And I think Cincinnati's going to throw something at him defensively. He's not he's capable or healthy enough to uh, overcome. Okay. I've actually got Kansas City at right. Arrowhead Stadium, not Burrowhead Stadium. They're going right. to reclaim their own name <laughs> after this game. They're going back to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is going to do something that's just literally bonkers because that's what he does. Whether he's going parallel to the ground on a Statue of Liberty-esque sort of play against Seattle, maybe that sort of magic. He'll defy gravity here with that high ankle sprain and come out with the win on Sunday. So I've got Chiefs and 49ers in the Super Bowl. Randy has got Bengals and 49ers. Joe and Amber, you can find out their Super Bowl picks because they're coming up next here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can watch and listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.